The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is Serious Serious Fun. Hello and welcome to another episode of Serious Fun. As always, I am your host, Dr. Brian Carr, and we've got a whole other intro. I don't want to be redundant, so I'm going to just let myself do the talking, but this is another episode from the live shows we did at Brown County Library PopCon back on October 1st, 2022. This one is with local Green Bay artist Rob Momertz, uh, probably best known as the artist, the cover artist and interior artist for the Claude the Evil Alien Warlord Cat uh, children's book series. Uh, as well as a lot of his other work with companies like Cryptozoic uh, and uh, a lot of his comics work and just all kinds of different stuff. Great guy, tremendous artist, big fan of his work. Uh, And in this one, he actually draws a character from scratch to demonstrate how to draw live on stage. And so, as you can imagine, not always the easiest thing to make work in an audio-only medium, but there are some process shots that are going to be up on Twitter and the Brown County Library Facebook page. Uh, And uh, the album art you see, if you're listening to this in your podcast feed, is actually the finished product. So you get kind of a feel for how this character was put together. Anyway, enjoy the show. Uh, Rob Momertz on Serious Fun. Hello and welcome to Serious Fun, live once again from the 2022 Brown County Library PopCon. I am your host and thrall to two of my own evil alien warlord cats, Brian Carr. For those of you who may not be familiar with Serious Fun, this is a podcast put on by the University of Wisconsin Green Bay's Phoenix Studios Podcast Network. I am a faculty member there. I teach. I, 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 they trust me with young minds, so that's their mistake. Um, every episode of this show is an exploration of pop culture from those who create, study, and consume it as we seek out the craft, meaning, and purpose of the media and entertainment we consume. It also means I get to talk to some of those really cool people who are creating it, and I'm thrilled today to talk to the one and only Rob Momertz. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Rob has worked on everything from card and board games at Cryptozoic. He's worked on comics. We'll see some of his work there. He's worked on children's books, including the Claude, the Evil Alien Warlord Cat series, available now wherever books are sold, including also... Uh, here at the library, and if you want to get your own copy to take home with you, Rob does have some copies with you uh, out in the lobby, so and, and you'll sign them too, right? Yes. All right. So make sure you do that. Um, Rob's also going to be doing a live drawing demonstration for us, so if you want to learn about a little bit how to draw and how the craft works, that'll be a tremendous opportunity for you in a little bit. Um, of course, I know him best from these several pieces of his Star Wars art, art adorning the upstairs walls of my house, um, and they're, they're, I'm probably going to come home with more. Uh, you may also know him as the, uh, as the illustrator for the Claude, the Evil Alien Warlord Cat series, and of course, and uh, we're going to embarrass you just a little bit here, this beautiful poster for PopCon that you've seen everywhere. That's his work, too. Um, this is a tremendous piece of art, um, and uh, feel, feel free to come and grab one. Sign that, too. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So thank you so much, Rob, for being here on Serious Fun, and thank you for being here at the Brown County Library PopCon. Thanks, Brian. So I always like to start off by having my guests tell us their story, right? Kind of where they came from, what inspired them. How'd you get from there to here, 
Okay. So tell me the Rob Momert story. How did you become interested in art? What did you study? And how did you break through to make this your full-time career? Well, I, I started drawing at a really young age. And uh, I was really inspired by, uh, I love books, uh, television, of course. And uh, I, I mostly was inspired by uh, the, the Muppets, uh, Sesame Street. That was one of the, my earliest memories in Star Wars. That was the, one of the first movies I ever saw in the theater. And, um, and I, I used to like to uh, draw a lot in school. Art was always my favorite subject. And uh, I used to draw on all my uh, notebooks during class when I should have been studying, doing math and that mm. kind of sort of, sort of thing. And, uh, and I always knew that, uh, that, that I wanted to do that as a, as a, as for a career. And, um, my parents encouraged me to, to draw cause I was always doodling and, and, uh, and, and I, you know, when I was in elementary school, I started reading comic strips like, and I always, I liked reading comic strips and comic, comic books um, and uh, going to the library and checking out books on art. And, but I always knew I wanted to do that as a career. So, um, or something with, uh, I, I was really into Star Wars and I liked drawing all the creatures from the films and uh, the Dark Crystal, that was another film I was into. And I knew that there, was, there were jobs and someone did that professionally. And I thought I'd, I'd like to be a cartoonist someday or a book illustrator. And uh, I, throughout, throughout the years, I, I was constantly drawing. But like when I got into high school, I, or middle, actually middle school and high school, I started doing freelance jobs here and there. And, uh, and then that led me to, after graduation, going to college and studying graphic design and illustration at UW-Whitewater. And um, and I freelanced, you know, most of the time through high school, college, and then when I graduated, I worked as a graphic designer for about ten or fifteen years, and I always illustrated on the side. And then eventually, one of my clients, um, I always I always wanted to do illustration full time, but eventually, one of my clients offered me a full time position working with them as an illustrator. And they are based out of California. They're, the company's called Cryptozoic Entertainment. And they do a bunch of uh, card games and collectibles and that sort of thing. And working for them, I, 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 I kind of get jump around on different projects. Uh, there are a few that I focus on mostly. But, but yeah, it keep, keeps me busy. And What kind of projects I, were you working on at Cryptozoic? Uh, mostly card games. Um, and the interesting thing about that job is I work in different styles. Mm -hmm. So they do some products for Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers. Like um, not not too long ago, this was kind of a cool opportunity. But I did a um, they did a, a a big game based on The Dark Knight mm -hmm. Returns, the, the Frank Miller book, and I was a huge fan of that comic growing up. So. I wasn't, they were mostly using artwork from the comic, but they needed a, a giant map of Gotham City for, uh, for, the, for the game. Mm -hmm. So I, I got to, it was just a, a simple line art map, but still I kind of felt like I got to take part in <laughs> something with the Dark Knight. I thought that was pretty cool. 
So I did a, a map of Gotham City, and uh, and uh, it, and I've done worked on a few DC Comics projects here and there. So that's very cool. And uh, so you mentioned that uh, you were you were obviously influenced by The Dark Knight Returns and other things. Like, who are some of your major sort of stylistic influences, artists or uh, illustrators that really influence your style? Well, as far as specific illustrators, Jack Davis is one of them. He actually just passed away a few years ago. He was in his late 90s. And uh, uh, Paul Coker, who actually just passed away about a month ago or so, um, they were both Mad Magazine mm-hmm. illustrators. And uh, it, Paul Coker did all the, and Jack Davis also did um, designs for the Rankin-Bass mm-hmm. animated cartoons. Uh, Paul Coker uh, designed Frosty and um, I'm trying to think what other major characters, but but those two had a big influence on me. And uh, uh, Sergio Aragones mm. uh, also was a Mad Magazine artist. Uh, and his comic grew the Wanderer. That was a big influence. Um, otherwise, uh, a lot of the a lot of the artists that were big in the '70s and '80s. It, it was kind of fun when I was in high school. I, I went to the the first Comic Con I ever attended was uh, the in Chicago. The I think it was the Chicago Comic Con or Wizard World or one of those. And I actually went to this table, and there were two. It was uh, Jim Aparo, who was a, a classic Batman. The artist. big blue cape, and yeah. yeah so the, if you've seen like the really giant blue cape Batman, that's probably one of his. Yeah, and then Jerry Robinson, who was mm-hmm. the basically the creator of the Joker, mm-hmm. um, and and I didn't. I always thought, I guess I was naive. I thought that those guys were younger artists at the time, and they were like around my grandpa's age. And I I was I, I met them, and I, I didn't know that was them, and it was kind of cool to. to two artists that influential and I got to sit and talk with them for a little while and and that was pretty cool uh, surreal but um, but otherwise as far as uh, the overall uh, like Jim Henson is also a huge influence for me um, and uh, his, the main I'm trying to think of the, the um, I'm drawing a blank on his name uh, the guy that did a lot of the designs for the Muppets in the Fraggle Rock, and mm-hmm. um, I'm just blanking on his name right now, but yeah. So, okay, so this is something uh, you know. Looking at this work, you can obviously like you can definitely see those influences in it, right? Like you see mm-hmm. the Muppets. You actually have a lot of Muppets art on your Instagram. What's your Instagram? Just go ahead and drop the gram. Um, I it's uh, at Rob Momarts, um, R O B B. M O M M A E R T S. Yeah, definitely worth a look. If you're on Instagram, I uh, can't recommend following that enough. Tremendous. Just really fun to see what you come up with. Thank you. Um, so I want to just ask you about, you know, your, your work is incredibly, as you can kind of see up here, um, it's very detailed, but also very cartoonish. And I mean that and the highest of compliments. Like these are incredibly vivid, colorful, you know, just intricate creations that are also identifiably like, you know, there is like a silliness to them, there's a whimsy, whimsicalness to them, but just the, the craft is really fascinating. So um, how would you kind of, you know, what, what sort of stylistic choices are you looking at when you're sitting down to draw? Like how do you, what kind of things like do you do that we, you know, these are the thematic things that would say this is a Rob Momart's piece? 
Well, mostly just overall shapes and proportions. Um, I, and I always like to kind of try to keep a consistent look to everything. Mm -hmm. um, and as time goes on, the, my style evolves quite a bit. Uh, there were a few projects for, well, I used to paint everything with watercolors years back. And I would kind of take, it was still really cartoony, but it was a little more, a little more realistic than it is that I, the work that I do now. And, um, but the, I, I guess overall uh, proportions, uh, keeping like really unique shapes. Like one of the things as far as with character design is creating uh, very uh, quickly identifiable shapes. Like when you look at SpongeBob or, um, Batman or all that like if you saw them in silhouette you'd know exactly who they are and and just keeping like really unique proportions with care with characters um, like that pink dinosaur that that you have up there that was uh, that was a series I started just just not too long ago where I was trying to create um, monster art that was based on like various uh, 80s and 90s toy lines that had that real weird um, kind of gross-out factor. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to keep all of the designs in that series really like short and squat, like they were almost like they were made out of rubber or plastic that a child could play with mm -hmm. or collectible type stuff. Um, but and then that, that little green blobby guy that's up there too, that's from a, um, a, a long time I've been trying to, create some um, uh, some fantasy cartoon series. So I've been doing these wizards and creatures from that that I eventually want to tell, make a story out of it. But in that case, it's, I, I try to keep a consistent look throughout where a lot of the, the characters all have very unique uh, body shapes, but they all can look like they live in a consistent um, world where everything kind of fits together and the colors a lot of the same repeated colors and um, facial features and that sort of thing. So, um, I but I always try to keep a real consistency with my with my stuff that you can tell a story and um, so yeah. So when you sit down to draw, which you'll be doing here in a little bit, um, you know, it's obviously not your ideal setup you'd have at home. Um, what kind of setup are you using, right? Like, what are you are you starting with? Uh, pencil ink and paper? Are you doing more and more stuff digitally? What's what's your approach? Well, I'm I'm still pretty prehistoric as far as technology goes. I I still have not learned how to use a like a stylus or a um, uh, like a an iP iPad Pro or a, uh, a Cintiq, which is the the uh, digital pen and doing everything completely digitally. Uh, and I like to actually work on paper. But I do like a, a mix of 50-50 pretty much. Like everything I do is, is ink on paper, start, well, pencil and then inks. And, um, the, and everything after that, I scan it high res and then I color everything in Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator, depends. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a nice mix. And I, I always like to kind of have some sort of uh, tie into um, traditional media as far as I, I like to have an actual finished drawing that I can hang up or sell or whatnot. Uh, and I like to get away from the computer as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I'm staring at a screen for too long, I 
kind of drives me crazy and that way I can move around the house freely and not that I can't do that with an iPad but um, but uh, and I also just like working with my hands more and and um, but yeah I, I need to teach myself how to use a Cintiq or invest in one of those because I think that would speed up my work process a lot more especially with the coloring yeah. part of it which I'm assuming is mostly digital Yes, yeah. and that's and I, and I I don't know if I mentioned but I use a mouse to color everything, which is pretty. People are surprised by that, but my my coloring style is pretty simple though. If you look at it, it's a lot of just uh, it it's gotten more minimalistic over the years. Uh, I kind of like to follow the the old Jim Henson quote, where simple is good. Try to <laughs> it speeds up my process a little more when I work with kind of more like bold flat colors and heavy lighting and that sort of thing instead of spending hours and hours doing really tightly rendered things like I used to in the past. Sure. Now, when you mentioned that your colors are fairly simple, this, uh, this is kind of a nice segue because uh, one of the works that many people in the audience may be familiar with is the Claude, the alien, the evil alien warlord cat. You got to get the evil in there, right? Or yes, part definitely. Of the brand. Claude, the evil alien warlord cat. This is, uh, how many volumes in are we into on this one? There are six books. Six books. Total, yeah. Um, and the so. story is pretty much, for now, I think wrapped up. But it, um, I don't know, maybe in the future it'll come back. I'm not sure. So uh, this story is, of course, I mean, it's pretty much right there on the name of what the story is about. But uh, so these are very prose-heavy novels. I'm actually going to put a couple, some of the art up here. Um, so these are fairly prose-heavy novels about uh, Claude, the evil alien warlord cat, and he comes to Earth and befriends a young boy. Um, you are providing illustrations primarily. This is not a comic book in the sense where you are doing panel-by-panel panel dialogue and that kind of thing. Um, so I want to ask, you know, this is uh, a really interesting example of, uh, of sort of hybrid between, you know, visual art and, and, and textual prose. How do you see your art and covers that you provide for the character sort of informing and kind of shaping the creative direction of what the reader takes away from it? Um, well, with, with this book, uh, originally it was going to be a one-color book, just bl black ink, and then they switched it over to two-color, and which, which is, I, I like working in more of a simple palette like that. It's just kind of nice because you're, you're somewhat limited, but it's a challenge. Uh, but the covers I had full, I could do whatever I wanted, basically. And um, um, But, like, the only creative direction I got on Claude when initially when they, for his design was that they wanted a, uh, a larger-sized cat that maybe looked kind of sort of like a Siamese cat and um, make him very, um, like, larger than normal and little more, a little more human characteristics. And uh, and then that he would have blue eyes, and but but the but the initial the the first sketches that I sent them I had him look very alien looking like I had him with all these weird patterns on his fur and some some of the versions of him I had where he had he had weird colored fur like that we wouldn't normally see on a cat like purple and green and that kind of weird stuff and then they kind of kept kind of toning him back a little and they said well we want him to look like he would fit in. Like it fit in as a regular cat. If you saw him walking on the street, you wouldn't suspect anything. But so I had to like really play around with his expressions mostly, and and uh, he got he the first few books. If you know, if you look at them, he looks a little slightly more animated and cartoony. And as time went on, they kind of tightened up. They wanted me to tighten up his look a little to have him more 
like one of the challenges drawing this book was he, he would he would be doing some sort of weird action in the in the story, but then they would kind of be they'd want me to tighten up on his anatomy to make him look look and move more like a cat would. So it was kind of hard to do that, like with like if he was operating a computer screen or some sort of strain or flying a ship or something like that. It was it was kind of hard to show that just mm -hmm. as a normal cat, but. Um, I think as far as like the overall color palettes on the books, um, I think that kind of helped tell the story. The story is set in, uh, a, a, I think, in Oregon. I've never been to Oregon, but I had to try to look at some of the uh, uh, the environment in there for, for the interiors and a lot of rain. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. a lot of trees and, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a um, inlay in, uh, this is the second book that I have here, and it's hard to kind of see, but uh, maybe we can throw it up on the projector here in a second, um, where you've got Claude doing like a different fighting style maneuvers here. You know, we've got the flying razor slash, the mega triple helix, the fist, uh, the fury of the furry ankle. And like, I've, you know, if you have cats, you can kind of recognize some of this stuff in, in that for sure. So it's just like, it's just really interesting how you kind of captured how cats work, but also added that kind of like more cartoony element. Well, in the third book, there's a new character introduced. Um, Barks. He's a, a a golden retriever, like a he's like a space commando type guy, and he's real happy-go-lucky, friendly. And they they originally described him to me as like kind of a Buzz Lightyear type character. So when I when I first drew him, I drew him like really big and kind of bulky, and he was kind of over the top design. But they kind of kept having me pull him back more to look like a regular golden retriever. But at one point in the story, he he wears like a like sort of like a space suit, so that was kind of fun to design and play around with. But very cool. So um, I want to take a moment because many of the folks who are watching this in person and going to be listening to this later, um, they may be either folks who are kind of you know they are artists or interested in becoming artists. And so I thought it'd be helpful to kind of you know it's it's one for, thing for us to talk about this stuff, but it's another thing to actually kind of demonstrate it. So. Um, we're going to kind of walk through, Rob's going to draw a character, we're going to kind of talk through the process of how this happens. So uh, Andrew's going to switch us over here, and uh, so you just might want to nudge that up a little bit, or maybe move the, the, the camera, what do you think would work? Yeah. So uh, while that's happening, um, you know, this is, you, you look at this work, and you look at kind of how you use lines, and how you use expression, and that kind of thing. Um, what kind of tips and tricks are we looking at here? As you sit down to draw this character, how can we use just like, how can little things like, you know, just like line weight and, and angle and shading and that stuff really help distinguish a character for those who are kind of like trying to figure out how to do that? Depending on the environment that the character's in, um, if, if he's in a really deep, or he or she's in a really detailed environment, I like to play around with line width as far as in the foreground, you know, I, the, the lines are real bold and I like to use the thinner lines in the background mm -hmm. just to push the background more into the back and, and the character pops more. When you're just working in black and white that's a little trickier to do versus color but I'll just start drawing a uh, some sort of since it's Halloween we'll do some or Halloween season yeah. we'll do some sort of monster character. Cool. Um, i trying to think what I should do here. Should have thought of this beforehand. <laughs> so I'll try to describe um, for those who uh, will be listening later what's going on. So uh, we're drawing a monster character here, and 
Rob is uh, currently trying to think about. So, so what, where do we start? What's the building block here? What do we, what do we begin with? Well, mostly shape and uh, proportion. I like to kind of really exaggerate the proportions of a character and their show like a weird movement or pose. So I think we'll do like a like a pumpkin man type okay. character since it's October 1st. Yeah. My favorite time of year. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. I see, you see a lot of Halloween influence in your work for sure. Um, okay. So we're sitting down. So we're starting obviously with kind of a, a round oval shape. Um, or is this more of a, it's more of a proper circle. Yeah. We'll just do like kind of four. And, and things change as I'm drawing. So yeah. I'll just start off with the face. I'll have him sort of, um, sort of a genteel-looking guy with a sort of a antique-looking outfit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're gonna take requests now. Okay. Absence of eyes. <laughs> a fancy pumpkin. So we'll have him sort of a, a bigger head here and a little stock. I think that's a pretty gourd idea. <laughs> Usually yeah. I draw the whole character, the, the yeah. basic shape. Don't, don't first. vine about it. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. So, Everybody okay. see that okay? Yeah. Can we see that okay? The blue, the blue line pencil is kind of hard to yeah. see, but so we'll, we're gonna we're gonna put um, ink or a darker line over it, so you'll have a clearer idea, right? So so this is all just laying out. This is the planning stage, kind of like like literally blueprint blue pencil, right? Yes. Yeah. And I always work in non-photo blue because the scanner doesn't pick up on the pencils when I when I ink it. Okay. So uh, and so I'm noticing off the bat you mentioned the exaggerated proportions. So we got a pretty big head, which is understandable. A pumpkin doesn't necessarily you know you, you think pumpkin, you think big head, right? I, I get told I have a pumpkin-sized head. I'm not I've been being told, told that too. Yeah. It's it's hard to find hats that fit. Is 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 the yeah. thing? It's. Nobody understands, unless, unless you have a pumpkin head. It's really hard to find a hat that fits it. You got to go to lids. It's just like, give me, you know, give me the biggest size you have. No, no, bigger. Um, so, uh, now this is interesting. So you're actually just kind of starting out. You're sketching out a lot of, like, the details of the outfit, too. You know, we've got, uh, he's got a cane, it looks like. And so we kind of got, like, a rough idea of, like, where the shirt, the pants, that kind of thing are going to be. Um, this is this is kind of interesting because you know normally when you think about like you know you look at like drawing tutorials and stuff like that they say start with like really basic shapes and you're adding detail later here you're kind of laying the groundwork for the detail first what why is that um I guess because that was what was it, it kind of popped through because it was the first thing I thought of mm -hmm. but it, usually I, I just do a very basic uh, very basic shape first. Mm -hmm. And I, I well, a really interesting thing that I see a lot of artists do online on Instagram is they they'll they'll just find a, a random shape and they'll po post it and then other artists will turn that shape into something. It's almost like a cookie cutter. Like you could mm -hmm. create uh, a lot of different things from like one basic odd shape. Okay, so that's a nice drawing yeah. challenge. Yeah, so, but I mean, we got we got a pose here. This guy's already got a personality. Um, so, so I don't have his face in yet, but um, I just I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what his clothes are going to look like. It's kind of a um, early 1800s looking. Sure. You got a ruffled shirt in there. Yeah, I got the yeah the Seinfeld pirate shirt. He doesn't want to be a Sorry. pirate. Maybe this so guy we'll, does. Maybe that's that's his his. He wants to be a gentleman uh, pirate. The 
know if that's what you call a double-breasted jacket. Yeah, I don't yeah know. you got the buttons on the jacket. So a lot of times is... I get frustrated and I start over, and, yeah. and uh, like all artists, so it just uh, sometimes it's good to just keep going. Otherwise, you're going to be starting over constantly and not getting anywhere. I mean, this is wizardry to me. So you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just in awe. Like, just artists will sit down there and just do that. Like, I, I watched uh, Todd McFarlane draw Batman the other day. I'm like, how are you doing this? Oh yeah. Like, I love Todd McFarlane. Yeah, he's just sitting there. He made a Batman that you could basically sell for like, a, you know, five thousand dollars in like twenty seconds. It's and amazing. the funny thing is, he stopped. I know he had his giant toy empire, but yeah, still does. He stopped drawing because he thought there were so many artists that were way better than him. Mm. Which, and he's such an influential artist mm -hmm. on so many people. As a '90s kid, that yep. Spider-Man, yeah, for sure, yeah, and that Spawn was, and, all and that. he was one of those first artists to really break into that real cartoony style exaggerated style uh, on a regular ongoing you know marvel or dc series mm -hmm. so i guess i've been neglecting the face here so we'll, yeah. we'll do a a face might be a, i mean i guess he could just be an uncarved pumpkin sackhead sackhead sack go in that direction like the, like the dude from the trick or treat movie kind of thing or yeah okay yeah, Sam? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, I, like I don't know. I still have not seen that movie. It's I good. Want to, I want to see yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. It's weird. It's, be, it's making like a weird comeback. It wasn't like a yeah. massive hit, but now it, you know, I was at Spirit Halloween the other day, and like they got the stuff there. So I'm shocked that the, the, the Halloween 3 masks have not really taken off like I thought they would have. Which is but. interesting. I mean, like I think folks kind of forget about Halloween 3. I, I'll be honest. I haven't seen it. Um, it's a, it's a weird movie. Yeah, like, well, that was the original intent. Was uh, um, Carpenter wanted the movies to all be different, right? Yeah, and so it, that one was very different. You either love that movie or you hate it. I, I've noticed. But, I know a lot of people who love it, so I might have to yeah. actually get around to watching it. I'm. Uh, I, I do like those movies in general. I have found. I was not a big slasher fan. It's like, oh wait, I like if they're good, I like them. <laughs> so Halloween yeah. is very good. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, we got a face now. Look at face, that. Yeah. Yeah. What an agreeable so, fellow. Yeah. So I think I have enough. Well, usually, I guess depending on what it's for, I, uh, we'll put a little leaf on the top of his head here. Oh, too. yeah. Got to have a little garnish. Twisty, uh, yeah. vine thing going up the top. Oh, a monocle? Yeah, I'll put, okay. I'll put a monocle yeah. on there. I never really understood the purpose of monocles. No, I think, I, I, I don't either. <laughs> Oh, Mr. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, why does the penguin have a monocle? Yeah. Like, what, what, what good is that going to do when you're fighting Batman? Yeah. He's going to like just pop you in the eye. It's going to hurt real bad. <laughs> like the, then it uh, was the Arkham video games. He has like a broken like Coke bottle for a monocle, which seems even worse. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just asking for trouble at that point. Didn't he have like one of those long like... Oh, yeah, the Burgess Cigar Meredith. The, the yeah. cigarette I, thing. I was actually thinking about doing the penguin cosplay before I got here. Uh, and then it was too difficult to do, so I didn't do it, which is kind of the story of my life. Things are too hard to do. <laughs> Great lesson for the kids. <laughs> okay, so now we're putting some inks in. Um, and so when, you, when you're inking a character, uh, what is the significance of, you know, how, like, the width of the lines and what, what do we, what, how are you using the inking to kind of really help build the character? Well, just to show uh, volume and uh, like on his face here, like we'll do like we'll have him kind of 
like he's smiling and the pumpkins the pumpkin skin is sort of stretching around here as he's smiling but um i like to try to make the characters look as 3d as possible mm -hmm. sometimes that's hard to do with line flashbacks work. like watching mark kistler videos as a kid like how to do like i actually movie. met him yeah uh a few years ago, and I didn't know who he was at the time. I knew who he was, but right. I didn't recognize him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just remember, like, he was at, uh, on PBS. And yeah, whatnot. yeah, yeah. I think that was like when the art teacher didn't want to do art that day. She just like watched Mark Kistler. We're like, okay. Very nice guy. Yeah. That's I, I, that's still kind of how I sort of know how to draw like a, a, a hole within, like give it depth. Is because of those. I, I can do so little artistically, but I can do that. See, okay. So you're adding some nice kind of geometry to the the teeth of the pumpkin here, which is nice. And then we got like a nice little kind of. I like the cleft chin. Yeah. On, on, that's a nice touch. And you're adding some little extra details, some like some textures, little, some little bumps. Yeah. Oh, this is coming out great. I think you've I think you've like got the sensational character find of 2022 here. Like this is you can I, you could turn this into like a movie or you know he's sort of a Jack Skellington type a character bit, yeah. a little bit but he uh, and then he, usually I like to add a little some heavy little shadows here under underneath his chin yeah but a lot of times you always run the risk of over inking something where you're adding just too much texture and it starts to get muddy mm -hmm. even though if that's possible with a black and white drawing but. Since the, we have the glass monocle here, we want to keep that thin. Have to make sure I kind of lightly. And so that's helping to kind of distinguish between like foreground and background and, and that sort of thing, right? Yes. Okay. Here's the edge of the monocle. No, that's all right. Good to have a nice challenge here. Yeah. So, Monocles. They, sorry, go ahead. Do they even have a ring around them or is it just I, a I glass? Think so. I think so. Yeah, and okay. like yeah, like a little chain that kind of like connects somewhere. So when it, when it pops out, when you've been horrified, it doesn't like just hit the ground. Yeah. Yes. It's like. Oh, okay. okay. There you, you go. Put it in your pocket. Yeah. There. We're learning about monocles today. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't come to pop. Do they still make monocles? They gotta right. Like, it, I, I I like to. Like what's oh. the. <laughs> If I look at like the prescription on my glasses, it kind of is like a monocle situation because I have one eye that's garbage and I have one eye that's okay. So like this lens right here is just so super thick, and then um, so I, I've often considered just doing a monocle myself. But <laughs> as I've gotten older, both eyes have gotten worse. So <laughs> I just got LASIK not too long. Oh, nice. Sorry. How'd that go but for my, you? My close-up vision it's almost seems to be worse now. Ah. But, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> I use usually use the uh, yeah. This is actually pretty blurry right now as I'm looking at it. So. Yeah. Getting razzed by the crowd out here. Security. <laughs> that's one of my that's one of my stalkers. Ah, okay. We'll have Andrea just keep an eye on the situation. Give it up for Andrea West, by the way, one of the organizers of this event. We got, is that a, we got a velociraptor back there? Yeah, I love it. They're looking around really like, like, yeah, see you, hi. 
The costumes are fantastic. Good work, everybody. Yeah, there's some really nice. Yeah, and some I'm just like, man, I just felt so underdressed coming in. Yeah. Like I threw on a Ninja Turtle shirt and I thought that was good enough. It's not. So here we go. So we're adding some more texture to the the vine part of the of the pumpkin man. What what is this guy's name? What what what's what are, as as Rob's drawing? What do we come? Okay, we got a in the back. What's his name? Name him. Captain Jack O' Lantern. Captain okay. Jack O' Lantern. Uh, we got some other ones. Ichabod. Okay. Captain Ichabod Jack O' Lantern Esquire at your service. <laughs> right. We could kind of combine some stuff, have some fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doctor Gordon. Doctor Gordon. <laughs> Gordon Seed. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That might be the winner. <laughs> Florbert? Okay. Oh, man. It does. Gordon Seed at your service. <laughs> the doctor is strictly an honorary title. It was conferred upon me. But... Wasn't there a canned pumpkin shortage a few years ago? I think there was. <laughs> we should talk to this man about it. Maybe he knows. <laughs> Gordon Seed has a lot to answer for. <laughs> um, okay, so we're now at, he's, he's, he's detailing ruffles, so I'm going to um, just kind of ask you some other questions while we're going, if that's well, okay. as you see, like, yeah. I'm kind of adding a little thickness to some of the lines here. Oh, sure. That are exterior, and um, I might Oh, do we lose the mic again? Okay, so uh, what, uh, Andrea's like she she's out here working hard, so that's why we gave her the round of applause earlier. Um, we're gonna try another mic, and hopefully we uh, this won't be a recurring issue. Is that, oh, there okay. we go. We got you. I think we got like a lapel mic if we really need to get crazy. So sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I like the like the little details and kind of the the, the inking and sort of like it almost adds like a like an aged distinguishedness to the pumpkin. I don't know. That's, sure. that's, that's that the vibe works. I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. That was totally intentional, right? I like a lot of historical stuff, so I find myself collecting lots of internet imagery of old costumes and. What, do you have like a particular references. era that you really like? Um, yeah, like late 1700s, early 1800s. Oh, and, sure. Or like the Gilded Age. Get some spats. Some, some, <laughs> That's some. another thing that I think I need to bring back is spats. If it's good enough for Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did not. He's not wearing pants either. No, so. he's not wearing pants. But he's wearing spats. The man has priorities. Yeah. None of the ducks wear pants. Just you know, there's something. Yeah. Even, with even no like pants. Darkwing Duck doesn't wear pants. I don't think. <laughs> like that man's coming out with a cape, full like four button suit jacket, a mask, and a hat, and just no pants. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to look and see. He is, too, wearing pants, and fair play. I'll defer to you on that one. Robin's the one that's not wearing pants. Robin's not wearing... So, like, I love how they explain... Well, he's wearing leggings. Like, wh why are they, like, flesh-colored, though? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's... When they give Robin pants later on, I, I feel like that's, like, what that's, like, uh, um, Tim Drake era. And it's just, like, he must have asked, like, please, can I just have actual pants? You know, when we're when we're... You know, like just like the penguin's monocle thing isn't working for him, I also would like to maybe not get my knees all banged up. So much of this stuff doesn't like so much of like Batman in particular makes no sense when you think about it. It's a comic book. That's the right answer. 
So we're getting some more ink down on this. And again, you can kind of see how Rob's going over the blue lines. Um, and so really adding and kind of just saying, so the blue lines again are kind of our rough framework. And now we're filling in some of that territory here. Yeah, we have a question from the audience. Want to come up to the uh, microphone? So I noticed your uh, draw, uh, drawing of Dr. Gward, as I'm assuming that's going to be his name. How big is he? Because he reminds me of Jiminy Cricket. So is he going to be like a small little dude or a full-size human person? Full-size full human? Yeah. Well, it's a hollow pumpkin. So yeah, so maybe that's not the... Yeah, yeah. You know. And my second question Thanks. is, from what you're drawing, so he's going to be Dr. Ward. I think maybe he... It, What's his story is so far? Do you have an idea? Because I'm um, artist myself, and when I'm drawing as I'm going, I'm also halfway thinking of a story for a character as I'm drawing this person. I didn't really have a story, but as as we've been talking and people came up with names and the whole thing about the uh, canned pumpkin, maybe he's like the <laughs> he's the owner of like a a vegetable canning company or something, sure. and he went crazy and. Sure. So this stuck a giant gourd on his head. Okay. So he was not born a pumpkin, is what you're is what you're saying. He has, well, he's adopted. Maybe the pumpkin. a possessed yeah. pumpkin took over his head. And oh, sure. Kinda, I don't know. And like as penance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like, murdered so many pumpkins over the years. Yeah. Like, now he's okay. Pies. See, I'm telling you, we've got something here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get co-author so credit. It'll be great. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Sure. If anybody else does have some questions while Rob's drawing, feel free to come up and ask. We, you know, we're, we'll uh, try to answer them. But uh, did you have a question? Yeah, come on up. Yeah, just just uh, speak directly into the microphone so we can uh, pick you up on the recording. I don't like that. Um, I was just cu curious. Uh, you were talking about blue pencils and stuff. Like, what brands of like ink and pencils oh, do you use? Good question. Um, I always use these uh, Prismacolor Colorace. Pen, pen. These are they, they come in a lighter blue also, but they're just like a, I just buy them off of Amazon. Yeah, sure, but they're they're pretty soft, lead wise. They the only thing that frustrates me with those is that they crumble a lot in the little hand pencil sharpeners. But, um, but and then I use for pens. I started using these a few years ago. I used to do everything with watercolor, and then I started doing. Uh, using a Winsor Newton brush with with India ink, but then I started using these these pens. These are zebra pens. Uh, I can't think of the actual number, but they're they're kind of pricey. But if I if you buy them in bulk off of Amazon, you can usually get some decent deals, and they last they last me a really long time. Like I have like a lot of you see these. I have tape on some of them. I I I know when I started using them and when the tips got dull, so some of these I just used to like fill in blacks or uh, just areas where I don't need a sharp tip. Like this one that I'm using is actually pretty new, so the, sh the tip is pretty sharp. But they're just basically like a felt tip pen, and the ink dries really quickly, and it's a really dense black ink. Closest thing that I could find to the, the India ink I used before, but I got sick of always carrying around a bottle and spilling it. And, mm. it, and then brushes too, they, they start to fork after a while. And they're harder to use, and these always keep their shape, obviously, since they're a felt tip pen. Yeah. Sure. 
So as you're kind of uh, putting some finishing touches on there, I just had a couple other kind of questions I wanted to ask you. Sure thing. Um, so, you know, we've got some artists out in the, in the audience, and uh, I think that it might be interesting to sort of say, you know, if you were going back, maybe talking to yourself starting out or an artist starting out now, what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give? Well, I guess just to be, um, just keep generating material. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went through a, a few years where I, I wasn't very motivated and I didn't do as much. And, and then once I started p- putting my artwork online, I was motivated by a lot of other artists. And um, I met a lot of friends online over the years. And, and, uh, that, and I, I keep so many files of different artists to reference. And, um, but I guess uh, just uh, don't get discouraged. Keep drawing. Draw as much as you can. Um, I guess don't fixate on one thing for too long. If, if you take a break, move on, and try some different, th- different approaches. Try different materials, whatever, the, whatever you feel most comfortable using. Um, one advice I got from an illustrator years back was... Um, don't pick a style or a method of art just because you feel that it's more marketable. And if you don't really enjoy doing, like if, let's say you like doing watercolors, but you feel like you should do more work in oil paints, but you hate painting with oils, even though you, your artwork might be more marketable if you're doing oil paintings or something. I'm just making up an example, but um, always stick with the thing that you feel that you enjoy doing the most, that it's not, it's not gonna become work to you after a while. And when I was doing watercolors, it, it was, I, I enjoyed doing it, but if I was gonna do it professionally, it, they took a really long time and it was hard to edit them. And it, like, I ran into that problem a few times with some professional work I did, where the person wanted me to edit the work and I had to do it in Photoshop and it was really hard to do. So I just started doing kind of a 50-50 half digital half, um, you know, traditional pen and ink, and this is really easy to to make edits. I have to do that with my day job all the time. The other day, I was doing a, a working on a piece, and my boss forgot to give me some details, he, which he does quite a bit. And I had to go back in and redraw some things, and it, it didn't take very long to do. But so this is something I want to ask you about because this has always mystified me when I've tried to sit down and draw. Is you're adding a lot of details like clothing folds and then like the shading. Um, how how are you making decisions about like when when you sit down to add those details? What do you how do you do that? Like what are you looking for? Just to create more of a more dimension and texture. Like a, like like here I'm adding like this little shadow underneath the the coattails here, just so that. Is set back more, and and I like to have more of a steady, uh, more of a balanced, like heavy blacks um, when I do the when I work in the just to show more contrast. But okay. that's always a challenge. Yeah, that's because a- in, in in like to to cat, like what I'm doing here with this kind of slight cross hatching, just trying to show like kind of more of a gradated shadow. The artist that can create like a grayscale. I, I always marvel at the artists that, that are just working in inks. Like there was like Bernie Wrightston who passed away a few years ago. The, those guys that could create that sense of grayscale just by doing like that real light crosshatching. If you look at their artwork from far away, it looks like a like a black and white mm-hmm. painting or photo. Or uh, another person, Jack Davis, is, they used to do Mad Magazine work. 
he's another master at that. But you look at it and you're like, that's actually all pen and ink and it's all line work. And it looks looks like a like a like they did it with an ink wash or something. It's amazing. Yeah, that's always been the trick. For, it's, it's just I don't even know where to put it <laughs> most of the time. It's just like it just comes with practice yeah. and just draw all the time. That's my advice to people. That actually, I'm going to put some spats on this guy. Yes, I'm as happy as I've ever been. <laughs> What are um, spats for, anyways? Is to protect your I shoes, no or idea. yeah, it, it's like because you're not even protecting all of the shoe, right? You're out in the mud riding or something yeah. like that. I suppose if they had horses around it, I get the feeling that a lot of the sartorial choices of the moneyed class are there just a stunt. They're not there for any real practical reason. Like you know, Scrooge McDuck doesn't need those spats, but he would not be caught dead without them. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this sign wow. of affluence. Yeah. Just showing off. So you mentioned that you were working on, uh, you know, with, the, with some of the art we showed earlier, you know, fantasy series and stuff like that. What are some big dream projects or things that you might have coming up that uh, you'd, you'd be willing to share with us? Like, what do you, what excites you? What do you want to work on? Well, um, I'm actually starting a new book series, and um, it, it's 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 a monster-based book. It's a it's kind of similar to Claude, but it's a different publisher, but um, it's good it, chapter books. But it, it, the whole story um, is based on uh, special effects characters. Hmm. So there's some really weird, fun monster characters in the book that I got that I'm currently designing and working on. Um, so that that's when I got that project, I was super excited because it was just right up my alley just to design weird creatures like that. Um, but I think I think like a if I could really do something is is more of a creator owned. Series. I've been trying to do that on the side, but my problem is, I'm so scatterbrained and and I get bored real easily if I, if I'm drawing a if I don't have a, a real solid direction, um, I I get frustrated and I just jump from thing to thing to thing. So, um, yeah, if I'm not locked down into something, I I tend to kind of float around too much. But. Um, I would like to do some sort of creator-owned project. I think that would be really fun. But the only problem is I'm, um, I'm kind of scattered when it comes to coming up with story ideas. Right. That's always the trick, right? It's like you can come up with a million ideas, but it's just like the, the execution, the follow-through is the tough part. Like I usually use like, not to change the subject, but with this guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to color his, his suit like a black color. Mm -hmm. But I usually, with these pens, I usually use like a, a dollar tip for that kind of mm -hmm. stuff because I don't have to wreck the tip. But I think in this case, I'm gonna. He's gonna have a solid nice, black jacket, but in this case, I'm I'm leaving. I'm not coloring the whole thing a solid black. I'm leaving like a little bit on the side. Yeah, kind of suggesting kind of like there's the light hitting the side of him. And then where some of the folds happen, I'm doing a little bit of a cross hatching thing here. Wow. Create more volume. Like I said, this is wizardry. This is something. So um, are there any other questions as Rob kind of finishes up here? Um, yeah, just come up to the microphone if you can. Or unless you want to yell super loud. So if you couldn't hear, More he's for asking, you. Okay, he's asking about his fingernails. I stopped on the way here and got a manicure. Nice. You don't, you don't want to like just drag a fingernail across the, the ink. <laughs> I, that's, that's a good question, actually. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be Raznia, but it's a good question. Hand model at one yeah. time. Ooh, ah. No, I, I stubby fingers. Yeah. 
<laughs> I may, think I'll keep his pants like a grayish color. Yeah, that too. looks, he, he might, you know, artful. Think more color in his eyes, I there think, we go. here. Just amazing how this kind of went from just simple lines to being a fully realized character. We've got a backstory. If I were to have colored this character, I probably would have left the eyes uh, open and then I sure. would have did like some sort of color on the inside. But if I know this is just going to end at a black and white drawing, I'll... Yeah. Okay, so we're putting up, uh, kind of filling in, uh, uh, filling in the uh, dark parts of the mouth. I don't, there's probably a better way to put that. And uh, yeah, wow, there we go. Dr. Gordon Seed out for a night on the town. Look at that. Wow. Round of applause for Rob. Holy cats. Look at that. Thank you. Thank you. So this, there you go. That's, uh, this is just incredible. Thank you so much uh, thanks, for sharing. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go ahead and kind of wrap things up. So we want to make sure you're respectful of your time and also the rest of the show. So that's going to do it for this episode of Serious Fun as Rob kind of put some of the finishing touches on Gordon Seed. Thank you again to our special guest, the brilliant Rob Momertz. Once again, just a big round of applause for Rob. Just Thank you. Tremendous. Appreciate it. Uh, love his art. Just uh, like I said, I'm going to be hitting up your table here in just a couple minutes. Um, and again, once again, thank you to the incredible staff of dedicated library professionals putting on the Brown County Library PopCon. We got Andrea here. I know Gillian's floating around there. We got a whole lot of stuff out here. Folks, remember libraries are one of our greatest civic resources and librarians are actual heroes. So please thank them when you see them. And don't forget to check out all the other Phoenix Studios shows at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. And please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Serious Fun and our other shows on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you for coming. Thank you again, Rob. Enjoy the rest of PopCon. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, please visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.